Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. Jimmy, it's a Friday. We're here doing this again, man. Yes, sir. Rock and roll. Ready to rock and roll, my man. Let's let's get it on. Yeah. So I, I'm so passionate about today's idea, topic, solution, um, and so excited to hear what you're going to be able to share and offer as we dive through this through the lens of leaders of leaders in sales. So just as a reminder, the series we're in right now, leaders of leaders in sales, we're in part three. These are connected ideas, but you don't have to have heard any of the previous ones to get the value today. Although we would encourage you, wouldn't we, to go back, check it out. Got some gold there. So here's what we want to help you with today. Uh, For leaders of leaders, you have to be able to see if the infrastructure, the structure, the systems around what you're seeking to accomplish actually supports your goals. And so, you know, we have these little like colloquial phrases, people say, you're too big for your britches, right? Where somebody is acting bigger than they can support. What often happens organizationally is people act smaller. They're not preparing for what is going to fill up the coffers, revenue increase, growth increase, whatever that looks like. They don't have the infrastructure to support it. So we're going to give you an analogy for how to think about this today. We're going to make this really concrete. We're going to talk about it in terms of you going out and finding a job. Now, we know people listening to this have a job, but you're going to go back down memory lane with us a little bit and put yourself uh, in those early days, the shoes of those early days, beginner's mind to really start to think about from beginning. And then we're going to get to a very advanced lesson, the end on what it looks like for you to be the kind of leader who can evaluate, does the structure of what I'm seeking to accomplish, does the structure support it? Um, Jimmy, I'm just curious, I want to ask, like when I ask about first job, what comes to mind for you with that? Uh, A lot of, a lot of mistakes. Uh, Yeah. What was your first job? uh, Out of, out of, uh, well, I grew up in the restaurant biz, so fourth generation and, um, you know, spent most of my time washing dishes um, and eating my parents' profits. Uh, but out of <laughs> out of, <laughs> out of uh, college, man, I I took a gig uh, with a one of the most successful uh, insurance guys in the city. Uh, grew up in Buffalo and um, became uh, one of his uh, assistants, one of three um, as we built his business. Uh, you know, and, and at that point, right, you don't know what you don't know. So it's, hey, man, someone's willing to pay you money. It's enough money to to achieve your goals. You know, the world's your oyster. Let's go for it, you know. Dude, 
That's awesome. My first uh, paycheck job job was ninth grade dishwashing. So I'm feeling those vibes with you. Now, my first job actually gave myself, which was me, little entrepreneurial Chris, making necklaces that I sold at school. (laughs) Find a way to do it. So, okay, here's the thing. You and I, if we were to go in and we're we're not, we love what we do. We're privileged to do it and excited to keep doing it. But if we were to go in for a job today, job interview, would we not see a million cues and signals and things that we would have totally not seen at age 13, 23, even 35? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it goes back to a conversation. I was, we think we might've been having it together, but this idea of what are you know, what are the known unknowns? Mm-hmm. What are the unknown unknowns? And what success can do to you is it can blind you to the unknown unknowns. It can blind you to the gaps that you could be identifying to actually continue that process of um, reaching, as we say, reaching and redefining your potential. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Now, while we're talking about this, I can't help but think about Step Brothers, where Will Ferrell and his other co-star <laughs> going for that job in the HR. She's like Pam, and he's like Pam. <laughs> oh, too good, too good. So now, here's what we want to imagine: just like with going into a job, we would see a million things. If you go into a sales team, and and let's say you're seeing one of their meetings, you're looking at some of their data. You're watching at how the VP of sales is engaging the team. You're seeing a million things people aren't seeing. So as we set this episode up and we really teach you how to start looking at the infrastructure, the structure around what you're trying to accomplish and, and upgrade it as you need to tell me like, what would be some things you would go into like a job interview, right? You're seeing a million things now. What would you go into this sales leadership process, the data, the meetings? What are you looking for? What's standing out to you? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And it brings me back to something I've learned over the years. Um, The expectations that you have for any kind of experience are always going to be based on what your ultimate objective is. Right. So we think in terms of if you're going to go someplace you've never been before and you're going to drive there, what's the first thing you do? You turn your GPS. Right. So I think in terms of if you're going to go someplace, uh, turn on your GPS. What's your goal, plan and scorecard? And so if I was going someplace, Chris, if I was going to start working someplace, this is part of my plan. What I thought of that place would be based on the goal, the expectation I have. So as I said before, I think if um, when I was younger, if the goal was just to make money, it would be based on making money. And you know, when you're in your 20s, time is, you you feel like you have a lot of time. So am I going to worry about wasting my time? No, I'm just going to, let's make the money, go out and party. But over time, right, as, as you get older, right, as you and I mature in our businesses and so forth, our expectations become more complicated. They become more lofty. I'm not thinking just about paying my bills. Now I'm thinking about potentially developing a career. I'm thinking about um, building several streams of income. Um, When I'm taking a job, I'm thinking about something more than money. I'm thinking about 
quality of life? Am I going to enjoy what I actually do? Is it going to fulfill me? Is it going to advance my career? So I start thinking about bigger outcomes, which makes me focus on different details. Yeah. Okay. So tell me now some of those details. Let's imagine, because any VP or any sales leader of leaders that could hear you talk through a few things, it's going to help them get fresh eyes on Gotcha. This, right? Yeah. So you walk in and, and you're going to start evaluating this place for fit, for right. impact. Do you want to actually be here? Right. Um, I'm, and I could even break it down this way. What do you want to see from the company as far as goal or mission statement or how the CEO is? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so um, how did I get here? So let's talk about first off, how did I get here? The first thing I did before I even went and looked for the job, and I know I'm not answering your question, but I'll get there, Chris, I promise. Before <laughs> I went and looked for the job, I wrote a list of what I valued and what I didn't value about oh, good. life, right? So yeah. I, and this is actually stuff I do all the time and I update this every year. What do I, what do I want my life to look like? What don't I want my life to look like? And I go into excruciating detail from the amount of time I want to travel to the amount of time I want to spend at home, the times of day I want to be with my family, the amount of vacation time, um, whether I want to be told when I can take vacation time. And actually when I did this originally, I decided I discovered that I really couldn't be an employee anymore. So here I am. Uh, but yeah, the, those core, do we really understand what we value or do we go out into the world saying, hey, I'm good at this. Can you use me? So there's this proactive versus reactive. And then I went out, then I would go out and find those companies that could actually deliver that, right? So I'd build a list of the organizations and then I would go and interview there. And so the first thing I would do, starting with an organization, is I'd be evaluating that organization, that leadership team, et cetera, based on the standards I've set for myself, the goals that I have for myself. And yeah, your, from your perspective, a big deal for me is culture. And, and I don't just mean culture generically. Uh, for me, learning is important. Well, is learning and education important to the culture? Is it important to my boss? Or am I going to have to fight um, to um, take time to get um, advanced education? Uh, do they view people as, dis you know, if they don't invest in education or development, they may likely view people as disposable. Am I going to want to work in an environment like that? Um, the other thing I want to know is, Chris, is can I learn from these folks? So are they at a point in their, in their careers or their development, or they, do they have a view or a vision that's bigger than anything I've worked with them? And can I, um, by, by accepting their vision, and working with them, elevate my sense of what's possible in business to a whole new level. Can they grow me in that way? Uh, those are the first few things that pop into my head. I love it, man. That's beautiful. So this is key. Now, for people that are early in the process, they're going to get a double benefit out of this episode because they're going to get the beauty of the analogy and the the pieces of upgrading the infrastructure, but for that person who's out there, who's leading other sales leaders, just know that, yeah, if the vision isn't hot, if it's not captivating people, if, if we're not seeing these cultural markers that are what Jimmy's listed out here, you're not going to get the best people. Okay. So now you're, you're through the process of at least answering those questions. Um, and you're going to be meeting the, the VP of sales or whoever is leading the sales team. Um, 
they're interviewing you, you're interviewing them. What do you want to see in them? Knowing there's different personality types and all that kind of thing. What are the big takeaways that you want to see from a meeting with them? Yeah. Well, the, the thing I try to do in meetings is I try not to give away what my intent is, right? So I try to ask questions versus make statements. So if I know, for example, culture is important, I would ask uh, an executive in uh, how important is culture to you, for example, in what way does your culture, is your culture attractive to a top performer? What can a top performer expect to uh, benefit from uh, the culture from that you create here? Um, uh, what kind of role do you expect team members to play in your culture? So what I would be doing, Chris, is I'd be testing um, how deep their understanding of culture is. It's easy to say culture is important. It's easy to put plaques up on the wall, but I'd want to go deep into what does it mean to you and how do you execute and what can I expect here? Because the better they can answer those questions, the more aligned I'm going to be. And naturally the less disappointed I'm going to be moving forward. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Totally. Well, this ties in so much to last episode, go upstream. Okay. Go upstream. So now what we're doing is giving you a practical action. You're, you're a sales leader of leaders. You don't just look at the result or the problem. You look at the infrastructure that's delivering the result or the problem. You look at the system, you know, all this kind of thing. And we get more into this in some detail. So starting out kind of some pre-work you need to be able to do, if you're going to be a leader of leaders, you want to look at the whole ecosystem of something, not just an isolated piece. This brings up just maybe a little bit of a side question that I can't help but ask. Uh, have you ever seen a successful organization sustain that success where the culture was kind of rotten, but there was a great sales leader who carved out space, led a great sales team and sustained success, even if the culture was rotten? Whoa. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's really interesting because, you know, that, that the, the, the universal truth that of impermanence, right? Nothing is permanent. Um, the definition of success, therefore, is always changing. It's never the same, hmm. right? When we talk about reaching and redefining potential. So I would say practically for people listening, um, to be really clear, you can, you can be a visionary sales leader in a dysfunctional organization as long as the leaders of that organization give you free reign to do your thing. And why would they do that? Because they're afraid of pissing you off because nobody else knows what you know, right? So they're going to give you free reign, whatever you need, just go do it, keep hitting your number. But over time, that definition of success is going to change. And so it may be, so you might have to only sustain that until the next round of funding or until the business is acquired or until um, there's an IPO or whatever it is. And then you can just you can just check that success off and then move on to your next environment, take those learnings with you and, and, and go. So I think it's definitely possible to be highly functional and be highly successful within a dysfunctional uh, organization. But um, but like all good things, they they end and the likelihood of this ending <laughs> is very high. Right. 
because, you know, if, if you're working in an organization that's dysfunctional and, and you're working among unhealthy leaders, chances are they're proving and hiding while you're um, highly functional, that, that, that difference between how you view the world and how they view the world is only going to create more fear for them unless they choose to join you, unless they ask you, hey, how do I get functional? And if that dissonance continues, it's only going to, you know, it's only going to end in, uh, it's only going to end. It has to end at some point. Yeah. Well, what a wake up call that can be a warning for people that are listening to this episode and go, oh man, I've got to be honest about the fact that I've got some rotten places. I got to fix those because my best people are going to leave over time. Um, right, right. And so to, to that point, to, get away. To, that, to, the, uh, to that point, Chris, sorry for interrupting. Um, no, I was just on, on a call today with an executive with, a, with an organization and uh, a few months in, he's now thinking I made a mistake. Mm. And so mm. the advice, the, the advice that I gave look at a VP level, um, the faster you move on, typically the better it is for your career, right? The more decisive you look, and the less of the bad outcomes or bad behavior within the organization you're part of stick to you, right? So there's a benefit here, just an example of a benefit of being um, able to be uh, clear in the things you want and decisive in terms of your decision-making. It's also great to learn. You, you need to learn from that. And back to your point about structure, if you're a leader of leaders, um, it's not enough to have a goal. It's not enough to tell people where they're failing or where they could improve. What you have to do is you have to go deeper. You have to explore the process that's in place, the patterns that um, produce the outcomes that you see and evaluate those patterns for opportunities, for all the opportunities for improvement. Any pattern or process that is unrecognizable uh, is by definition um, hidden. It has hidden um, opportunities of, uh, or blind spots that can degrade the outcome, can degrade the experience, uh, can degrade your communication. Every one of those things has to be explored. Now, at the same time, but there should be a discipline, right, Chris? There should be a discipline to make sure that there's um, a connection between where I want to go, how I want to get there, and what I do every day to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, the fundamentals. Um, so, so to take everybody to this, you know, high understanding, higher level understanding, just reminding us before we get into these three application points that I see developing here, every leader of leaders is going to face problems, okay? The false move you make when you're a leader, you just attack the problem. When you're a leader of leaders, you have to learn to get underneath behind the problem, deeper to it, whatever, however you want to say that. And so what we're offering today is a way to think through looking at what is the infrastructure that you have as a leader of leader in sales and how can you upgrade it, the pattern, the process. And I love, you know, some of the words you're using that are describing this. Uh, It makes me think a lot about what we have happen in parenting. You know, every time an issue comes up as in parenting, my default is to go internally 
always have to say it out loud and not everybody wants to hear it, but what's the pattern or system that got us here? How can we build a pattern or system to produce a different result? <laughs> Anything else feels like a waste of time or energy. So we've got this idea that you've got to look at it holistically. We, we've heard a little bit from you uh, as an example of you going in. And if you were to start off in a role, what you would want to see. Let's pick back up with the example with this executive you're talking about. He's in a spot he now regrets. Maybe, and in this situation, it sounds like, yeah, the the regret was well-formed. But I think sometimes we don't know how to really get in there and, and see what's going on. We don't know how to get into that, as you like to say, I love it, that leading indicator versus the lagging indicator. What for you, if, if you've got a problem in your sales process, your sales team, the results you're getting, what for you are the top two or three leading indicators that you're focused on because you know if you can figure that out, like like the bones of a house, this job has good bones, even though it's got some problems. Yeah, I think um, salespeople are in the sales world is kind of interesting, right? So we can sales sales organizations are run in two ways, basically. Uh, well, let's say three ways, but the third way is unsuccessful. Let's talk about successful sales organizations. They're run with heroes that come in and save the day, make things happen, and they just do their own thing. Uh, and the sales leader is just making sure that everybody stays focused on the goal. So the so how we get there is really, there's a black box that every individual hero builds and they keep their own process to themselves. They go to the thing and the leader is just making sure things are running smoothly and that they're supported. And then there's another way that you're successful by building a system that everyone is um, hired to, trained to, uh, managed to. And that creates a different level of outcome. And, it, and it's something that works at another at another level for an organization. So once you get into that scale up stage, that system now facilitates scale and a higher level of growth. And so the first thing that I look at um, would be is this an environment that rewards heroes or is this an environment that rewards the development and building of systems, right? That just would like, be a pull quote, by the way. That's a killer question. <laughs> so I just want to highlight it. Can you say it again? Perfect. Is this a system that... Is this a system that um, um, you know, rewards individual contributors uh, or, and uh, creates transactional results or is, this, is, it, is it one that... Um, is um, focused on how those results are created and and uh, and uh, delivers that scale, that predictability and scalability for the organization. That's awesome. Yeah, is this system for heroes or is it for repeatable results based right, on systems? Right, right, right. Oh, all right. I interrupted you. Apologies, but right. I just thought well, that was like you know, and the I wasn't even this episode. paying attention, man. <laughs> so how am I supposed to repeat that? <laughs> it's good stuff. Listen to the recording. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that. That's the first thing that I would I would look at, and so it's like the analogy that we've often used is the analogy of a house, right? Uh, you can, if you see mold forming, you can just hire a contractor to replace the uh, the the um, the drywall. But wouldn't you like to Come make sure on. it never happens again? Yeah, um, and that's the same thing. And in sales, what is oftentimes ignored is we have a we have a hero that's doing a great work. Well, wouldn't we want to know how they do it? 
to see if it's predictable and repeatable? Is there anything we can learn that we can share? And if you have somebody that isn't hitting it, wouldn't we like to know why so that we can make sure that we don't allow that to be repeated again? But oftentimes we don't take that next step. We just live in the immediate transactional uh, world. And that's, and that relates to all kinds of things like the carrot stick way of managing and so forth. Mm. Well, this is awesome. So that we, we broke down a bunch of elements there, or you did, I got to listen to what this looks like, but I think the big idea there that's so powerful is, is it rewarding heroes or is this repeatable, predictable results? Okay. So we've got application area one, you got to upgrade the infrastructure. This is for the people that are in a job and they're, oh no, what do I do? Is it something that I need to evaluate? Now, the bonus here is for leaders of leaders in sales. Why can't you wear those eyes? Why can't you wear that mindset? Why can't you put that thinking on that says, how would I evaluate the job I'm doing, the effort I'm making, what I'm building, how intentional my actions are related to creating a place that doesn't reward hero, but is heroes, but build our own system. Now, all right, let's give you another situation here. Tying it in this idea of a job, you need to upgrade. You're not satisfied anymore. It's not that it's bad where you are. You want more leadership opportunity. You want more income opportunity. You want to really develop and advance yourself. If you're in that environment, what are you starting to do to prepare for that shift, to stay on the lookout? You know, walk us through that. Yeah, I think a simple, a simple way to go would be something like a kiss list. Um, you know, this is an idea that we came up with a few years back, but it's, and it's not, I don't think it's unique, but it's something, it's a name that we haven't heard much uh, used at many other places. Kiss meaning, uh, what do you keep? What do you improve? What do you stop? What do you start? So one of the methods for building a level of self-awareness about the situation, especially if um, we're successful, but we don't want to be complacent, Let's say that we're successful, but there's something more we want. We're not satisfied. Or let's say we're unsuccessful and it's time for a shift. Something's pushing us to investigate. Uh, Kiss list. What do you, what's, what's working? What do you keep doing? What do you want to keep doing? Uh, what's, what do you want to keep doing, but you know you need to improve? What isn't working? Or what behaviors, habits, practices are going to keep you from taking that next step? Uh, a great example there, um, you know, as my kids were growing and everybody's getting phones and they're introducing me to all these new apps and my, my taste in music has evolved incredibly since my kids have uh, come of age in high school, middle school and high school and now college. Uh, but in particular, I can remember um, games, right? The games that we download for on our, on our phones. And I got addicted to, <laughs> to this eight ball pool game and we would compete, uh, me and the kids would compete uh, and play. And I asked myself, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, am, now, am I wasting as much time maybe as I do watching TV? I was probably spending more time there because it was fun. It was a way to engage my kids. But I really asked myself, you know, would... Um, 
would any high-level executive or successful entrepreneur say that playing video games was the secret to their success? You know, and so that was a, a, a moment where I was able to leverage the kiss list and say, look, there's something here that not only that I could improve how I decide to spend my time, but here's something I want to stop. Right. And so that app comes off the phone. Was it because that app was causing me pain? No, it's because I was actually just evaluating my life and thinking about, okay, what else can I do to optimize uh, and speed up my path to success? And then of course, the second, the, the last S, uh, what do you want to start? So the question is, if you're going to end something, can you replace it with something you're going to start doing? And that now starts the process of, okay, what more can I learn? Well, how many more books can I read? Can I, if I don't like reading, can I get books, uh, audio books or whatever? So now you're starting to expand, expand, expand your ideas and explore new ideas and really get imaginative and creative about the things that um, you could be doing. And so that's just one way, I think, Chris, for creating some awareness and then maybe also you know, rec- identifying steps you can take. It doesn't have to be a ton of steps, but just a few steps you can take to start turning the ship. Yeah, so this is great. This is a practical way to upgrade the infrastructure. I want to comment on something too. I think it's important. I, I still remember this. Our first phone conversation. So we had met and then we had set up coffee, but we talked on the phone. I still remember you hopping off the phone to, to pause our conversation to, cause your daughter was calling. Uh, cause I think some people could hear that example and be like, dude, that guy is a hardcore. He's taking off an app where he's hanging out with his kids, you know? So, so you live, you walk the talk, uh, keeping them a priority and engaged with them. But I also think we can be challenged by the ways that we, you know, think through our lives and waste time. I do have a video game that I played with the kids like crazy. And, uh, it was so much fun. They don't play with me anymore but I kept playing, dude. Maybe I need to let it go. I do find it <laughs> renewing. It helps me mentally uh, check out. And uh, well, do isn't, that, that, isn't that the thing though, Chris? I mean, isn't it that, that, I mean, these ideas that we're talking about, these aren't prescriptions for success. Yeah. They're just ideas. Every yeah. one of us is different, man. Every one of us, you know, if, if we want to create and achieve something uncommon, you have to think and behave in a way that's uncommon. Mm-hmm. And and when you think about it, all the memed prescriptions out there, those are common. Yeah. They're what everybody else is doing now. Yeah. And it's going to be everybody else's result. What's going to make you uncommon? That's something. And this is the beautiful thing. That's something you have to figure out yourself. Every one of us has to figure out for ourselves. And it's hard to do. It's scary to do because we're all trained to do what we think we should be doing. Yeah. What our, what we were told we should be doing in second primary school, college, grad school, whatever. We're always looking for, we're always asking the question. As a coach, I'm oftentimes asked the question, James, what should I do? Right? Yeah. It happened today. A, a group, uh, his directors aren't connecting and getting along and, you know, what should I do? <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, well, let's talk through it. Yeah. And so for the people that are there now in that spot that need to upgrade the, the responsibilities they have, they want to grow. They need to upgrade the challenge, the income, whatever it is. Take the KISS list and that's how you're going to get some really concrete steps, takeaways 
on how you can upgrade. And and as much as I was having some fun with you on it, it is a great example. You took that game out and you upgraded your infrastructure, right? I mean, I I love this example because you and I both experienced this. Uh, You know, I'm going to the gym every day. I just started a new workout program. COVID hits. I can't go to the gym every day. Can't do the sauna cold shower. This workout program, I had momentum on, I lost it and, and kind of waffled for a year. And then we both started a system, right? Yeah. And, and we don't have to think about it. It's a system that's already built. We commit to it and we do it. And there are times you may not feel like doing it, but we do it. And it's, it's the system that takes care of us, but it might reach a point six months, a year from now, two years from now, that that isn't working anymore. And so we have to upgrade the infrastructure, upgrade the system. We have to create continually around our lives containers that hold the substance of the vision and the dreams and the desires that we have. And, and, and what are those containers? It's our calendar. It's the vision and values and strategy of the company. So it's the apps on our phone. And if we can get you to think about it this way, then you'll start being the kind of leader of leaders. Who goes upstream, like we talked about last episode, and actually solves what's really happening. Um, I want to land the plane around this idea, around some practical takeaways. Uh, before we do that, anything else come to mind that you just want to share or express as we think about this idea of upgrading? Yeah, I mean, you know, in, um, hidden in the conversation, right, is this is this ability that we have to not just recognize patterns, um, go through a process that, that allows us to create some awareness and then try something new. But we also have to measure and evaluate how effective that was, right? So there's this, I always come back to this idea of efficiency and effectiveness, right? So if, and Peter Drucker talks about efficiency as just doing the right things and effectiveness is about doing them right. So if I'm a leader of leaders, um, I can think about the goal. So think about your GPS. We can develop the goal. We can develop the plan and the scorecard. But if I'm, as a leader of leaders, if I'm not constantly evaluating the execution, the quality of the execution, are you doing the right things and are you doing them right? Then I'll be missing opportunities to not just hold folks accountable, but to reinforce best, identify and reinforce best practices and to measure, and then to make uh, a decision about whether or not this shift was the right shift. Um, And I'll also say, Chris, you know, you can, can we, I guess the question back to you, Chris, can we be too flexible? Can we change too much? Can we change too often? Is it possible to get carried away with this idea of being self-reflective and willing to try new things. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, from a wiring standpoint, everybody has a general disposition. They either change too much too fast and don't stick with fundamentals or they don't change enough. Now, statistically speaking, a higher percentage of the population doesn't change enough, but our, our relationship to change is like this. We either change too much too often which is often the people we work with leaders or you don't change enough. So I think you have to know what is your 
What is your operating uh, process so that you're aware of it? Like I know for myself, intuitively grasping a big vision and making a shift, that feels very natural. <laughs> and, and you know this from, from our connection, the work we do together, we're in a season and we might be here for a few years of perfecting the process. No big shifts. Getting in the discipline fundamentals, execute, 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 execute. <laughs> so I think what you've got to do is you've got to know like your operating disposition. The second thing that you've got to know is situational awareness. You know, I've led a few organizations through a complete turnaround. The situation in that required a lot of big vibe, big sky, big vision thinking. Um, so, so what's your situation? And, and to tie it into the person who might be looking to upgrade, you know, you can't imagine something you haven't seen. It's usually very hard to do that for most people. And you may not think it can be any better. So for some people, it's embracing an idea, a vision, a hope that it can change and be better. For others, and not staying stuck in status quo, you, you might be chasing a fantasy. No environment's going to be perfect. And you're in a place where you're like, I'll finally find the perfect environment that validates me, that gets me, that appreciates me. Ain't going to happen. You got to be that person. Right. Well, I was thinking, um, I was thinking of a personal example, um, this idea, can we change too much? And, you know, I think there's a, there's a, there's a benefit of managing managers. Even if you're managing a team of individual contributors, uh, as that leader, you know, these decisions to change and to pivot and these opportunities for self-reflection don't have to just come from you. Mm. They can come from the people around you. Why not leverage the 6, 10, 20, 200 minds that surround you in a, in a productive way um, to give you clues and insights as to whether or not now is appropriate, whether or not the ideas you're thinking about make sense or whether or not there are things you're not thinking about. Uh, one of the most important uh, realizations I've gotten in my business is from my partner and my bride. Um, when, when I finally heard her, I heard her say just recently how the number of times I change and shift creates stress for her, which is not built that way. And it was un, it was uncommunicated level of stress until that moment. Mm. Uh, but it gave me, it gave me um, a better sense of, uh, of, you know, what I was doing and how I was operating. And, and it just allowed me to question whether or not the things that I was doing were necessary. Was it more a reflection of what the business needed or was it more a reflection of my personal um, DNA, my habits, my mm -hmm. mindset? So it's a mm -hmm. great piece of um, insight and awareness it just allowed me to ask the question, and uh, if as leaders, we're not taking advantage of the brilliant minds that surround us the, and the teams that we've built, um, you have to ask yourself, is that really to your advantage or is that to your disadvantage? See, that's fantastic because if we can live that way, we can get the best of both. What needs to be preserved and what needs to be progressed. Um, and, and this is like high level leader of leader stuff here. This is why we don't have peace politically because we have extremist viewpoints happening right now in the world, definitely our country, where it's hardcore all progression or hardcore all preservation. 
And that's not how, that's not how we can live in a healthy way. It's not how you advance societies. You have to have, what are you preserving? We should not have to relearn every generation the worth and value of human life. So this should progress how we think about um, people that aren't accepted in society for stupid reasons. Uh, war, you know, uh, work patterns and habits, whatever. I mean, there are things that we don't have to keep earning as a society. We, we hold these as a core. We preserve them. But there's also things we progress on continually because right. the world changes and we need to advance and grow. And, and leaders of leaders that are getting that feedback you're talking about can start to delineate between those two. And that's when change to me gets really exciting because it's, it, that's when it's implemented in a way that truly makes the world a better place. Most change is reactionary. We're either trying to run to something we're preserving or trying to progress something without a, a mooring or a center. Yeah. And it's the dynamic tension of these that, you know, makes it all work in a beautiful way. Well, my hope would be for those uh, that are, are saying, okay, as I leave this episode, what can I sink my teeth into? Go back, what Jimmy was walking through in the kiss list, walk through that, create for yourself clear awareness around these patterns and systems. So you start to begin to be the kind of person who does not look at the symptom, but the cause. Any closing word or phrase for us, Jimmy, before we go? No, I think, uh, I think we did a good job today. If anybody wants the KISS list worksheet, the official worksheet, hit us up. We're happy to send it out to you. Um, and, and I think don't forget to share these insights, right? If, as a manager of managers, there are people around you that can give you guidance, save you time, um, and uh, point you in the direction, in the right direction, uh, maybe faster uh, uh, than you can uh, figure out yourself. Share this episode with them. Let them listen to it. Let them know that you want them to hear it because you want to hear what they have to say. Train them to start looking at things with you through this deeper lens. All right, buddy. We'll have a great rest of your Friday afternoon. Thanks, my man. Until next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.